Welcome to the Family Worship Companion, supplementing your personal reading of Scripture with a Christ-centered emphasis and real-life application for every member of the family. So we come to Genesis chapter 10, and while it may not on the surface provide much in the way of encouragement, there is plenty for us to look at. The chapter gives to us the first branching out of Noah's posterity and how they move into the various regions of the world. Often referred to as the Table of Nations, there are many nations, both ancient and even modern, mentioned. However, the main issue here is how God preserves the line to the promised seed. That's what's going on. And this chapter is as if God is pulling out to let us look at the world from 30,000 feet before he narrows in on the family of Abraham and his posterity to narrowly trace the fulfillment of prophecy through that line specifically. While I can't look at all of these nations, we come immediately to Japheth, who represents probably the vast majority of those that I'm speaking to in the uh, Indo-European peoples. The plain reality is that most of these nations will not feature at all in the Old Testament. They have no place in that part of the history. But when we get to verse 5, we learn that some of these nations are referred to as the Isles of the Gentiles, which immediately brings to our mind that which will ultimately be seen in the New Testament, how the Isles wait for his law. That's a prophecy in Isaiah 42. And that comes to pass after the arrival of the Son of God and ascending out of the apostles, the Gentiles begin to be gathered in. But when we just stop for a moment and look at what we have here and realize that many, many years are going to pass before this happens, it's humbling to think how the truth has, over time, spread into the world and reached people like you and me. Certainly, I am one of the benefactors thinking about how God got his word, his truth to me, so many miles, so far away from where his truth originally was sourced and known. Verse 8 through 10 gives to us details concerning Nimrod, who began to be a mighty one in the earth. The word mighty can be used positively or negatively. Here, however, it is negative. And some have suggested that Nimrod, as a mighty hunter, wasn't just your average hunter. He was actually a hunter of men. We also get insight into the fact that he was an empire builder or at least a ruler. He may have either built these cities or moved in and taken control of them. Verse 9 tells us that he's a mighty hunter before the Lord which is language similar to what we have in the book of Job, speaking of Satan being before the Lord. If I could just read a quote from John Calvin, he tells us of his thoughts on this passage when he intimates that, quote, Nimrod attempted to raise himself above the order of men, just as proud men become transported by a vain self-confidence that they may look down as from the clouds upon others, end quote. In other words, Nimrod was all about elevating himself over everyone else. He may have been what we refer to, or at least historians and archaeologists refer to as Nam Lagals, these ancient kings that would rule over city-states in that part of the world at that time. Nam Lagals typically would rule in a tyrannical fashion, endeavouring to 
enforce uh, centrality of government and uniformity of culture over that area that they would rule, which is not unlike some of the efforts of governments today. In verse 25, we're told of Peleg, and in his days was the earth divided. Sometimes people read this verse and imagine, was this the separation of the continents? Did that happen during the lifetime of Peleg? But I think what really is going on here is just a drop that is pointing forward to what we're going to read later. In the next chapter, Genesis chapter 11, we're going to find out about the, the division of the peoples through God's judgment at Babel. Peleg, therefore, lived at that time, and in some ways he actually functions as a type of Christ. In Luke chapter 12, verse 51, our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear that he didn't come to bring peace, but rather division. Division between families, division between cultures and cities and areas, all because you're either for him or you're against him. One repeated phrase that we find in this chapter in verses 5, 20, and 31 is that reference to being in their tongues. Again, this is laying the, the foundation of what is to come in the next chapter. So what's some application we can take away from Genesis 10? Well, first of all, we see that while God is weaving out a particular plan and giving us details concerning that whole plan of redemption, he also is governing over the entire world. So this chapter reminds us that he is sovereign, not just in the particular areas that matter to him relating to the condescension of the Son of God and his work on the cross and resurrection and so on, but the entire world is being governed by God and he is pulling that all together in order to achieve his objective across every nation on the planet. Secondly, we learn that there's no room for racism. We all come from common ancestor. We all are, in many respects, cousins. And so we get an insight into what Paul taught in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, when he speaks of us all being of one blood. And so the question is, not what is my nationality? It's not unimportant, don't get me wrong. But really, the real pressing question is, am I in Christ or am I not? Third, we have mention here of Babylon among the cities that were governed by Nimrod and under his control. This is the one that's most well known. And in fact, it's going to play its role all the way through the Bible. It's going to be mentioned right at the very end in the book of Revelation, in which we see finally the destruction of Babylon. She represents the world. She represents that which is against God and opposed to the truth. And so in every generation, Babylon exists and she is constantly trying to pull people in. You young people need to keep that in mind. In fact, we all do. But especially in youth, we have a tendency to be drawn to, attracted to Babylon and what she has to offer. And the language of Revelation is, come out of her, my people. And so if you profess faith in Christ, you're not called to go in and en envelop yourself in Babylonish ways. You're to pull out of Babylon and come out of her as a child of God. You're in the world, but not of the world. Never forget it. Four, be careful not to follow the Nimrod-style characters that we find in every generation. They're always there with their charisma and personality, endeavoring to get eyeballs upon them and people to worship at their feet, at least in some fashion. 
These kind of people promise the world. They promise it in business. They promise it in the church. They promise it in politics. They're always vying for your attention. And especially in times when things are tense and difficult, in times of warfare or times when there's real struggle within a nation, we become vulnerable to these apparent heroes and saviors of the day. Watch out for them. They will arise in your generation. You older folks have seen them and known them. You young folks, you will see them as well. So just be on the alert. Nimrod is never far away and don't believe him. The only one who ought to have all your loyalty and will never disappoint you is the Lord Jesus Christ. And five, we draw from this passage a wonderful encouragement with regard to our responsibility to reach the world. This is the world right here. And I don't think it's a mistake or a coincidence that there are 70 nations mentioned here. And our Lord Jesus then, when he not only calls the 12, he also has that outer ring of disciples in the 70. And there has to be communicated in that his intention to reach the world. 70 disciples uh, indicating his desire to reach the 70 nations or the 70 root nations of the world so that the entire globe will be reached with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as we close, that is the call. That is the burden. That is the need. May God call you. May you know that longing of soul to go and preach Christ to every creature.